You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I I feel like God put on my heart today to talk about um, end times encouragement end times encouragement. And that may seem like a weird sentence or a weird wording, whatever you might think, but because a lot of times what happens is um, whenever crisis happens in our world, whenever things happen in our world that um, seem uh, chaotic, many times the last thing we think about is being encouraged by it. It seems kind of counterproductive, but today I want to show us from God's word how when God talks about Jesus' return, the end times, the rapture, however you want to talk about it, however you want to phrase it, when he talks about those things and his word reveals these things to us, I want to, I want to show you how he always finishes it with, be encouraged. These, these things must come, come to pass before he can return. And so I want to show you that today with everything that's going on in the nation of Israel right now. The other thing I want to address and, and acknowledge is that Israel has had conflict against them throughout their entire history. This isn't a modern war thing. This is a spiritual war thing. And I don't have time to get into all of it today. And this is, a, a, as of right now, a standalone message on the end times. So I don't have time to get into everything today. But I will say this. Israel is, is under conflict and constantly being bombarded because there is a spiritual and a demonic war and attack constantly for three things that you can narrow it down. Three things. To take the land to destroy the lineage of Abraham, and to oppose the Lord. And if you could see the motivation in the spiritual realm behind everything that's happened and is going to continue to happen against Israel, you would see those three things. Take the land, destroy the lineage, and oppose the Lord. Anything that God does, the, the enemy wants to do a counterfeit version of it. And so even as we look back in Scripture, and again, I'm already getting into it. I can't get into all of it today. But the lineage of Abraham, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to claim something that is not his. And if he can, in doing so, he can take the land. And if he can break the lineage and if he can raise up a false lord, he is going to do that to lead many people astray. And so there's constant pressure under Israel. Not necessarily, yes, we see it in the natural realm, but more so for a long time for all of history in the spiritual realm. And there's a demonic attack against them. But here's what we believe. In short, we believe that one day, Jesus will return. Amen? Jesus will return. We see that in Scripture. He will judge his enemies, and he will establish a kingdom that never ends as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as we get closer to that day, things in the natural realm with our natural eyes may seem scarier and scarier, may seem more chaotic and more chaotic. But again, 1 Thessalonians 4.18, after talking about some of the end times events, it says this. It says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. And we're going to read the passage before this verse here in just a second. Encourage one another with these words, with the words of what's going to happen in the age to come. And so signs of the end times, it, it shouldn't be discouraging. It shouldn't be a fearful thing. It should be an encouraging thing. Because though we may be coming to the end of the world, for believers, it's just the beginning. We may feel like we're coming to the end of the world, and that's what, that's what the news might tell you. It feels like the world's ending. It feels like um, you know, craziness is going on, but for believers, it is just the beginning. And so point number one is this. How can we be encouraged in the end times? Point number one is there will be signs that Jesus is coming soon. 
there's going to be signs. Signs are an encouraging thing. This is an encouraging thing. This is how scripture talks about it. In several scripture passages, these signs are compared to as birth pains or labor pains as we get closer to Jesus' return and the birth of this new kingdom. And so the, uh, birth pains, talk to any mother, they're not pleasant to endure, right? But they are necessary for birth. And so what happens as you go on, they get closer and closer together. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 3. He said, uh, we'll read this little passage here. It says, And he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And in verse 8, all these are but the beginning of the birth pains. These are signs showing us, and if they happen more frequently, it's showing us that we're getting closer and closer. So there's a few things that we can look at. We can look at even statistical data to show us, well, where are we in this process, right? If you're getting ready uh, to have a, a child be brought into the, 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 the world, you go to the hospital and they can give you a status report. Hey, here's where you're at. Here's where we need you to get before it's time. Well, whenever it comes to the statistics, if Jesus gives us some labor pain, some, some signs of what's going to happen, we should be able to look at this. One of the interesting ones is rumors of wars. How do you judge that? Well, there's, they did a study in 2021 that talks about basically what's the percentage of the country that you think we're likely to be involved in some type of war or conflict in the next 12 months. And you can see 74% of the United States is like, yeah, we could probably see that happening, right? Somehow we're always involved. So they're like, yeah, the, the rumors of wars is one of those that's it's tough to um, put a specific thing on because it's if people are talking about it. Well, man, this is going to go on. If that, if that country does this, then we're probably going to do this. And there's so much talk going on. Some of the more concrete ones that we can look at, though, is like earthquakes. We can measure this. This is without a doubt. And so you can see this. We have it stops at 2011, but you can see as far back as they uh, have data for, you can see pretty consistent, pretty consistent. We get in closer to the year 2000 and beyond. And what happens? A huge spike and much closer together. So what do these signs show us? They show us that are we in the end times? Uh, probably, maybe. We're close if we're not, right? This is what statistics show us. What are, what are the signs telling us? We're pretty stinking close. But how can we be encouraged in this? Okay, signs are telling us that we're getting closer and closer every day. So how can we be encouraged? The first thing you can encourage yourself in when looking at God's word, and point number two is this, is that you can be encouraged that as a believer, we will meet Jesus, as believers, we're going to meet Jesus. And that is the most encouraging thing that you can remind yourself of in all of this. If I'm a believer, and if you're a believer, someday when Jesus returns, again, the end times, the, when Jesus comes back, the rapture is how many people talk about it. When that happens, we're going to meet Jesus. And let me show you in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. It says this, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Let me stop here for a second. 
When we are uninformed, we are prone, prone to be consumed with fear and worry and anxiety. This is not just about the end times. This is about anything in life. When you are uninformed of what this book says about your life and about what God has for you, when you're uninformed, you are prone to be fearful, to be filled with anxiety, and to worry about this life. This is why we cannot afford to be uninformed. This is why we give you note-taking cards so you can go home and read your Bible. You must be informed from your Bible. Yes, yes, from gathering together and from hearing the gospel preached, absolutely, and from hearing sound teaching of God's word, absolutely, but you also must study it for yourself. You must be a student of God's word. Uh, the Bible and biblical prophecy informs us of what's going to happen in the world. Uh, scripture says, in, in uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, he would tell us the things to come. He's gonna give us insight on what is going to happen next, mainly through God's word and through biblical prophecy. Um, and so here's the big question. What happens if I have a family member who was a believer and they've passed away before Jesus returns? Where do they go, right? What's, what, what, is, what exactly is going on? And I think many of you, probably all of us in this room have felt or been in that experience where you have someone that you know who was a believer who's died and obviously Jesus has not returned yet. When we lose someone in our lives, who is a believer, we grieve, but it says what? We don't grieve as those who have no hope. Why? Because we will see them again. I have no hope for where are they right now if I don't have any hope of seeing them ever again. But here's the amazing thing. In heaven someday, in the presence of God someday, there's gonna be a great family reunion like you've never been a part of. It's the type of family reunion that you want to be at. Amen, somebody, right? Right, like, hey, we're actually gonna enjoy each other's presence for the next, for the next little bit. It's going to be an incredible family reunion that we can't even begin to comprehend. So the worst thing in life is not to die. The worst thing in life is to die and not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we understand that, it should give me a little bit of a fire in my belly for how I live this life. Am I living in such a way that's making an impact with the people around me? Because the worst thing is not to die, and that's why Paul said to die is gain. It's better, it's better that for me, he said, if I die, because I get to be with Jesus. And so what happens then? Let, let me just make, make it plain. The unbelievers in scripture, we often see it worded this way. Unbelievers who pass away, it's referred to as death. But many times when believers pass away in scripture, we use the word asleep, asleep. Paul talks about this too in Corinthians, asleep. Their body goes into the ground, but their spirit goes to be with the Lord. And so though their body is in the ground or maybe uh, however, however they were buried, their body is in the ground, but their spirit is with the Lord. And so what happens when the rapture happens, when Jesus returns for the believer who's passed away, their spirit and their body will be reunited and they will be raised to perfect life, perfect eternal life. And so they will be joined together eventually someday. That's what's gonna happen. But right now, the good news is that they're in the presence of our savior. And if you have a loved one who is a believer who's passed away, um, they're more alive than they ever have been. They're more joyful than they ever have been. And though for us on this side, that's so tough to understand. Maybe for you, maybe you lost a baby for, in a miscarriage or something like that. How encouraging to know that your Jesus, my Jesus, is holding your little one in heaven. There's gonna be an incredible family reunion someday, but we have hope in this life, no matter what we face, because we get to be with our, other, our loved ones, our believers again someday. So what happens to believers then who 
haven't died whenever Jesus returns. Let's continue reading in 1 Thessalonians verse 4. He lays it out pretty clear here. He says, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 15, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Again, he's talking about the ones that have already passed away. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then those, then we who are alive, who are left, we will be caught up. That's kind of where we get the word rapture from, caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. How amazing. So when we read scripture slowly, we stop on these moments here. We will always be with the Lord. Because if you've lived life long enough, you've probably gone through seasons where you think, God, where are you? But someday there will be no doubt. And God doesn't leave us nor abandon us here in this earth, but someday there will be no doubt. We will always be with the Lord. Therefore, what does he say? Encourage one another with these words. That's the verse that we read earlier. Encourage one another with these, with these words. Encourage one another with what's going to happen. So this prophetic wording shows us that the Lord will descend from heaven and we will rise, be lifted, be, be caught up, rise to meet him in the air. So there's a great meeting in the air. He's not coming all the way down, but we're not going all the way up necessarily, but we're going to meet him. And guess what? We get to be with him forever and ever. So Jesus will come with the voice of an archangel. That's a military term for a senior warrior. So this is where it gets interesting. How can we be encouraged that, yeah, I'm going to meet Jesus, or we're going to be with Jesus. That's great. What's going to happen next? Jesus is coming back in a very unique way, not the same way that he showed up the first time to this earth. Jesus, when he returns, he returns not in humility as he did the first time, not as a vulnerable child as he did the first time, but in glory as a warrior to slaughter his enemies. And that seems harsh, but I'm going to show you in scripture where that is incredibly accurate. He's not coming back in humility. He's not coming back with, well, there's a huge war that's going to go against him. There's going to be a huge rival. No, he's coming back with a mighty hand as a senior warrior to slaughter his enemies. And so this is where we can be encouraged in point number three. How can I have encouragement in the end times? Point number three is Jesus is going to reign victoriously. Jesus will reign victoriously. This is why it's important for my decisions right now. Who am I siding with? Who is the Lord of my life? Am I drifting into complacency? Am I going to a place where I'm just, uh, you know, I'm kind of a casual Christian or am I sold out to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Because someday, we will see him face to face. And someday I have to make sure, am I truly on the winning side here? And if I side with Jesus, I'm on the winning side. I get to partake in the victory. Let's go to Zechariah 14. It says, behold, a day is coming for the Lord. What's that? That's a guarantee. A day is coming for the Lord. When the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. Let me stop there for a second. The next few verses here, the next few sentences here, these are some labor pains that we've seen in just the last few weeks with Israel. So let's, let, let me back up a second here. For you will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, plundered, and the women raped. What have we seen in the last two weeks? That's those exact things. 
no surprise. It's no surprise. These are things that, as, as awful as they are, these are labor pains. That doesn't mean that we don't pray against these attacks. It doesn't mean that we don't stand up. That doesn't mean that we don't fight for justice. No, we, we do those things. But again, my, my point today is this. These should not be surprising things to us. Let me continue. Then, uh, let, me, let me back up here. But then the rest, uh, okay, here we go. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights on a day of battle. On that day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley. And skip down to verse nine. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. Man, he ain't, Jesus is not coming back to mess around. A day is coming when these labor pains get closer and closer until finally Jesus says, it's time. Heavenly Father tells Jesus it's time and he returns. And as he shows up, Jesus is coming back to fight and to bring justice. That's what he's doing. We see this in Revelation as well. Revelation 19 verse 11 he sees this vision. It says, then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and he makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. Who's that? That's Jesus. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword which, with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. Whew. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I don't know about you, but when I read these things and God's word stands the test of time, it has been proven true, 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 time and time again for thousands of years. When I read these things, it makes me have even more motivation than I already do to get on the winning side because I don't wanna be on the other end of this. There's no, there's no battle we've ever seen like what we're gonna see here. There's no aerial assault that we've ever seen like we were gonna see when this happens right here. And he will return as a rider on that white horse with a heavenly host with him. This will be the most intimidating picture we've ever seen ever. And what's interesting is because of technology, the whole earth will be able to see it at the same time. The whole earth will be able to watch in real time when this happens. But because of our faith in Jesus, we get to be on the winning side. We get to be on the winning side. So we can have encouragement in this, in the sense of what's gonna happen, right? What's going on right now? Well, we understand these are labor pains. Well, when we get close enough, what's eventually gonna happen? Well, we're gonna meet Jesus. There's gonna be some, some fighting and some justice brought to this earth. So if we know that, what do we do now, right? Do I need to start buying some ammo and dig a bunker in my, back, in my backyard? What do I need to do, right? I mean, it's Oklahoma. It's never bad to buy some ammo, amen, somebody? But I'm just saying, uh, what do I need to do right now? 
realistically, spiritually, biblically, what do I need to do? Here's what Jesus said. Point number four is this. Be a faithful servant in the waiting. Be a faithful servant in the waiting. And this is the whole point for today. This is how, how can I be encouraged in this? Because Jesus says, if you're a faithful servant while you're waiting for your master to return, there's reward for you. There's hope for you. There's good things for you. But what happens is we deceive and the, the devil comes and he deceives Christians into thinking, I got time. Mainly lukewarm Christians who are not all in, but we're just kind of, I go to church when I can, I read my Bible when, you know, I pray when I need something. And the casual, comfortable Christian comes and we drift into this lukewarm place that turns the stomach of Jesus and it makes him nauseous. And he makes it very clear in Matthew 24 and 25. And he talks about how we must be ready. Not casual about it. Well, not someday this is gonna happen. No, am I ready today? Have I done everything I can to do today in pre preparation? And in Matthew 24, Jesus is discussing the end times. And he says, no one knows the day or the hour, right? And if someone tells you and they write a book about it, hey, this is when it's gonna happen, it's probably not gonna happen, y'all, okay? Because Jesus said, no one knows. But he speaks of this, the end times being like the days of Noah. In the sense of, he gives these examples of people going about their business. They're going about their business. They're getting married, they're working, they're at the job site, they're with their family. They're going about their business. And Jesus gives some seemingly heavy parables and examples of what it will be like when he returns for his people. And in Matthew 24 and 25, he has this harsh language, but I wanna pastor you enough and share with you the unfiltered words of Jesus because that's what will change our lives. That's what will prepare me for his return someday. So in Matthew 24, starting in verse 45, Jesus gives this example. He says, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and he finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. But what if the servant is evil and he thinks, well, my master won't be back for a while. And he begins beating the other servants. He begins partying. He begins getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When it says cut him to pieces, this is not talking about literally, it's, well, it's talking about with a whip is what it's referring to, to split open with a whip. So Jesus gives us two examples here. And again, your action step today in your notes is to read Matthew 24 and 25 this week because he gives some other examples that are just as heartbreaking and just as eye-opening because he shows us that there's two servants. There's a faithful servant, there's an evil servant. The faithful servant takes care of his master's business while the master is away. He lives in constant anticipation for Christ's return. My master will come back anytime. And when he comes back, I will be ready. When he comes back, I will show him, look what I've done with the, with the time you've given me, with the gifts you've given me, what you've entrusted me with, look what I've done. And the master will say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
For us, what does that mean as a faithful servant? It means I'm, I'm committed and I'm passionate about realizing that Jesus could return at any time and that my serving others, am I giving generously, am I living boldly? If I understand that Jesus could come back right now, this afternoon or five years from now, am I living passionate enough that I don't care if my lifestyle offends you? I'm gonna love you in truth. I'm gonna love you with the truth of God's word. That doesn't mean I'm mean to you, doesn't mean I, I wish ill on you, but it means that I'm gonna live in such a way that I, when my master comes back, I will say, I did everything I could. I, I did everything I could with the life that you've given me. I did everything I could with the relationships you entrusted me with. I did everything I could with the kids that you blessed our family with. I did everything I could. Am I living in such a way that a faithful servant would? But the evil servant does the opposite. He loses his passion, his desire for his master's business. He fights and he mistreats his fellow servants. I see a lot of that in our world right now. A lot of churches and religious people. Just get on Facebook for a little while. You're gonna see a whole bunch of that. And he gives himself, the evil servant gives himself to the pleasures of this world instead of the service of his master. What is this? This is all grace and no truth. Someday, that's all covered, brother. I'm just gonna live how I want. I'll go to church and, you know, but I can live this way. I'll ask for forgiveness tomorrow. I'll get it all cleaned up tomorrow. An evil servant, what does it look like in the modern world? He loses his passion for the things of God. What, for church, for worship, for prayer. He's unwilling to deal with sinful, selfish behavior. Jesus makes it clear, we, time is short. Time is short. But what's interesting is that there is a reward for both. There's a reward for both. One's a good reward and the other not. One, one commentator said it this way, one of the most dangerous lies that the enemy tells is not that there is no God, it's not that there is no hell, but perhaps the most dangerous lie of Satan is that there is no hurry. You have time. What did the evil servant say? Ah, he's not coming back for a while. You have time. Jesus makes it clear, and this is why I want you to read Matthew 24 and 25 this week in your own Bible. He makes it clear, time is short. Time is short. Time is of the essence. When we think without hurry, when we think there is no hurry, there is no passionate motivation to reach the lost. There's no passionate motivation to reach. Why? Because we got, we, there'll be a time and a place for that. Now's the time. Now's the time for me to live in such a way that impacts the people around me. So it is no small thing to say, Jesus is not coming today or for several years because our Lord shows us that it is an evil mindset which inevitably leads to wicked behavior when I think that way. When I think I have all the time in the world. But when I realize the time is short, it changes my prayers. That family member that doesn't know Jesus, it changes the way I pray about them. Lord, it breaks my heart for them. It gives me motivation. Lord, today, would you send someone to open their eyes? Lord, would your spirit comfort them today? Would your spirit reveal yourself to them today? It gives me motivation to do things differently. And here's what's interesting about the end times and Jesus coming back, and I'll close with this. It's that we have banked, we must realize we've banked everything on this. We've banked everything 
on Jesus will return in the sky and we will meet him there. Everything, my whole, my, this is my whole life, y'all. Everything, my family, my perspective, every day is banked on this truth. Jesus will return victoriously. He will reign. He is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And I will meet him and I will be with him forever. We banked everything on it. We may not know when, but we do know we're closer than we were yesterday. The end times, the rapture, Jesus' return, it's not something to fear, but something to be encouraged by. Am I encouraged by it? There's going to be signs, birth pains, but what? That's necessary. Those things must come to pass. We will meet Jesus and we'll be with him forever. Jesus is going to reign victoriously. He's not coming back to lose a war and he's not coming back to go to overtime. It's not going to be a close battle. He's coming back to win. We cannot afford to be passive servants in the meantime. We must be faithful servants until our Lord's return. That means I must have passion and fire in my belly for how am I praying? How am I worshiping? How am I studying God's word? How am I being sold out to the church, to the bride of Christ? Am I doing everything I can to be a faithful servant? Not that I am doing it to earn my way into heaven someday. No, it's that I have been entrusted with the kingdom of God through salvation, which is only by grace alone. But now I have an opportunity to steward the kingdom while my master is away. And now my prayers and my actions and my faith backed with action can go to work and spread the kingdom of God until he returns someday. So my prayer today in all of this is though we didn't get into a bunch of timelines on when it's gonna happen and what all the details, my timeline, or my my thought is this. If you're watching the news, if you see something on your phone and your immediate thought is fear, that's from the enemy. You're a believer in Jesus. And if you see something on your phone, whether it's a rumor of, of wars, whether it's a, a natural disaster, whether it's some type of attack on American soil, whatever it is, our initial reaction is not fear. Why? We're believers. We are victorious with Jesus. And one day closer, we will get to see him, meet him, and be with him forever. And there's nothing more encouraging than that. Amen. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for your life, for your sacrifice, for your word. Heavenly Father, you're so good. You love us so much. Lord, there's a lot going on in our world. And though we don't have every answer to everything, we do have your word. Your word shows us that we can be encouraged when times are unsettling. Your word shows us that there are things that must take place. Though we don't like it, though it may feel unjust, we know, Lord, that you're in control because only you know, only you know when that great day will come and we get to meet you in the air. And so Lord, I pray for our church body and for believers around the world. I pray for the nation of Israel Lord, I pray that in everything, let your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And I pray that as we go through these uncertain times that you would give us strength, give us perspective. Most importantly, help us hold fast and true to your word and not to the news, not to what culture is saying, not to what somebody else is saying. Let us hold fast to your word to give us the confidence on how to live today. And Lord, we thank you for it. 
And Lord, we so look forward to that beautiful day we get to meet you face to face. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.